What's up, folks? First episode of the SEC Connect. I got four out of the five guys here today. I got myself. I got Ty Hayes, Jay Smith, Chris with a K. Steven's going to be on here for the next episode. But, folks, today we got a few great topics we're going to talk about for SEC football content. Here we go, folks. Topics, Stetson Bennett, Texas and OU. You know, Are we going to the SEC here next year for 2024? Nick Saban in his NIL statements that he just, uh, you know, had here to the uh, the press on a Monday, Bama's OC and DC search and Josh Heupel's extension. So, folks, let's go ahead and start this thing off, man. Stetson Bennett got arrested in Dallas, Texas this weekend. Do we think it was enough, uh, you know, news coverage on this? Is he getting a pass on this, folks? What do you guys think? Well, let me lead. The, let me lead the way on this one real quick. Ahead, uh, and I and I and I, and I, and, I, and I have. There's a reason why I want to lead the way. Is okay, Stetson. You too old to be doing this stuff, man. You're <laughs> old. Like you're older than the quarter. You're about as old as the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl as Jalen. Hur- you're older than Jalen Hurts, and you're, <laughs> you're just barely Jackson. younger than Patrick Mahomes. And you're older than the water. <laughs> and you're older than Lamar. What are you doing? Why are you even putting yourself in the news? At your big age, bro, you're 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 mid twenties. What is this? This is something you do at nineteen. This is something you do at 20, 20 you know, twenty one when you're not supposed to even be drinking. What are we doing? So I, I just want to lead off with that because that's I, that's the only thing I want to know. I just want to know how you're doing this at your big age when you know you've been drinking since you was probably seventeen. So come on, man. So I'll I'll jump in here and I'll say this right here, okay? Uh, should should Baker have gotten more coverage? Well, well, oh no, I know the answer to that. Baker did get a lot of coverage, yeah, a lot of coverage. But uh, with Stetson Bennett, I, I think the the only thing about it is that there's not a solid expectation out there for where he's going to land. We know that he landed on his feet. Nobody got hurt, which is obviously the most important thing. Wasn't trying to drive any of that stuff. This is kind of, uh, you know, they're going to play it off as a slap on the wrist. Hopefully he learns because, let's be honest, this isn't the first time that we've seen him, you know, pretty inebriated, right? Because we've seen those those Good Morning Good America. Good Morning America. Yeah, we've seen those, we've seen those videos. But, um, you know, hey, it, it's it's just one of those things. It's an unfortunate situation, but hopefully he, he uh, learns from this. But, like I said, it doesn't really – I, I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really hurt him, but it definitely doesn't help him as well. Because like I said, it's not really a solid expectation for his his draft stock. I think he's a guy that could go and potentially be a um a Chase Daniels where he gets his shot from time to time, but he's just a solid backup quarterback in the league. Maybe not even your two, maybe your three sometimes on, on the roster, but at the same time, I think that um I think I think that's the knock on him is that for everything that Georgia has done right on the field, they've had some obviously they've obviously had some woes off the field, and you know still shout out R.I.P. to the to the players and the personnel that they uh, that passed away in that in that car accident. But this right here is just a lot of stuff that's coming out of Georgia. It's just like, dang, how were they able to keep this under wraps for so long until uh, you know until this, on the end of the season? Yeah, and it's almost one of those things where it, when it rains, it pours. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's one of those situations where at Georgia, you could just be seeing normal college football things, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like normal amount of college partying and whatever. And now it's just like when it rains, it pours there. So 
It's going to be interesting to watch going forward, but specifically about Stetson Bennett, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head. Whenever these NFL draft guys are talking about Stetson Bennett, I don't think the knock they're going to write on the board. He was arrested for public in talks, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think that's going to be where they start on the knocks. I think Baker was a little bit different is because when you went to go knock Baker, which we have to understand these guys job is to get these guys at a place in the draft that saves their team the most amount of money, basically getting the best value. So that's mm-hmm. why narratives are pushed every single draft and it's messed up. It's terrible, but that's why it happens. You always see a guy. What happened with Jalen Carter? Another Georgia guy just a few weeks ago, people are saying, oh, well, he's got character issues. The whole Georgia team's coming out saying, this guy is, this guy's a great teammate, this, that, and the other. Well, there are narratives that these NFL people are going to push. And with Stetson, I don't think this is going to be one. Baker was going to be a first-round guy. They were trying to push narratives to see if they could get him to fall any sort of way to yeah. save the money mm-hmm. on him. That's just not what's happening with Stetson. Now, I completely agree, Chris. It's It's not going to be any knock on him but it's just it's one of those things where if you're a georgia fan you're like man can we get a an end to the news cycle about the the extracurricular and i'll say one more thing i'll say one more thing we already know that a lot of these uh these these prospects in the nf at the nfl combine at their pro days they get asked everything i mean was your dad a pimp What's your mom did? What's your, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. wild yeah. questions, yeah. Right? left field, random questions that you just like, what flagrant oh. questions? Well, they're trying to provoke, yeah. yeah, the yeah they're trying to get a reaction yeah. about this, and I'm like, so <laughs> what's you know, so it's I'm interested to see how that shakes out too. Like, do they ask him anything that's off the wall about you know, the good morning America appearances and now this right here like i'm I'm interested to see that yeah i think the question i'm gonna start going nick yeah you know so my only thing about this is does it show a trend right you know so we saw the good morning america we saw him you know a little lit and now (laughs) he gets arrested for public intoxication knocking on doors right you know i forgot how the whole situation went but is this a trend for him you know is this just that he got caught you know twice once in public on tv and now once he got arrested for. So, you know, when you look at a guy who is potentially, let's be honest, this might be the most winningest quarterback of all time in college football history. He's won four playoff games, uh, two national championships. He's lost one um, game. Yeah, he's lost one game. So you're looking at a guy who's always been he's he's been this big underdog. He might be the most winningest quarterback in college football history. Hell, he might be top three college players to ever come out of Georgia when you think about it. And that's saying a lot just from the fame aspect and from the success aspect, right? You know, you got to put, of course, Herschel up there. You got your guys like, you know, Gurley, everybody else, like, you know, Champ Bailey, all those guys are coming out there. But nobody has accomplished more on the field than Stetson Bennett has. So is this something that is a trend with, you know, with Stetson Bennett? Or is this something that's just a, I got caught two times at two just horrible moments that Never happened, but you guys just caught me at those two times. If and I, I can start we're... off with this, then mm-hmm. Jay, it's tough for me because it was at two of the highest points. Like mm-hmm. one of them was right after a national championship, and that's when the Good Morning America thing happened. And then now this one's a little bit tougher, right? Like 
the the good morning america one for me terrible optics i'm not here to it but like that one at least it's like okay well it's the celebratory phase you're a young guy just want okay this one's a little bit tougher but like chris said he wasn't behind the wheel uh hopefully he learns from it It, it's tough to say it's a pattern but at the same time it's tough to argue that it's not it's Mm -hmm. one of those gray areas where depending on how you want to frame the situation is where you'll get your argumentation Jay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jay. And I think, and, that, and and that's kind of my point of why I opened with the question I asked is, how are you going? Why you do this at your big age? Like you <laughs> can make the excuse for somebody that's like yeah, I said, no, twenty, no, twenty one years old. That's, that's pretty easy because it's a, it's a it's your first time drinking. You don't realize your tolerance. You don't understand what alcohol really does to you when you drink too much after a celebration. Yeah. That is common. But when you're at twenty five, twenty six years old, yeah. You know, because you've been drinking for years. And so real quick on this and kind of with with all the points you guys are making, I mean, you're not wrong with any of it. I'm just trying to better understand with with the quarterback. Of course, we know that because of his size, he's already technically ruled out of being drafted. I mean, he's 5'9". They said 11, but we know he's 5'9", maybe 180-something pounds. And we ain't seen no quarterback that size get drafted. He's around um, the same size as Bryce. Right. I think the issue is, is he doesn't have the extra factors that make is Bryce's size. Well, there's pictures of them doing the handshake uh, after the national championship, and they're very analogous in size. Can I, I could have sworn Bryce was closer to six feet, whereas Stetson's Bryce like five. No. Can I jump in here real quick? <laughs> so, so the thing about Stetson Bennett, here, here's, here's one thing that I wish we all uh, could do. It's just go out in Athens one night and just ask people like, Hey, what's, what's, what's that submitted? Like, do you see him around here a lot? Because that that's kind of the indicator right there. And so we've all been, we, we've all graduated from universities where there were high profile athletes on campus. And some of them went to the bars. Some of them didn't, some of them went to the bars and some of them would take a, have a couple of drinks, talk to some girls and leave. Some of them would get lit all the way until about two o'clock in the morning and and you would not see them uh, do anything but try to sober up around probably three o'clock in the morning. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, it, it's he's 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 on a high right now, like a self high as far as like, hey, one another national championship play for one of the best teams uh, in, in uh, all of college football the past two years. I was the quarterback. I was that guy. I got the name. So the whole thing is, is that, hey, look, he's 25 years old, but I'll chalk it up to him being a 25-year-old that let the clout get a little bit to his head. So I think he's fine. But like I said, I mean, I, I think that the one, the, the X factor in this, the, the one thing that could really, really kind of give us the conclusive evidence we need is the one thing that we're probably – never ever going to do which is go out in athens on well maybe when we go to the big 12 possibly. don't tempt me <laughs> but, we won't uh, we won't yeah but nfl scouts will i the think NFL that's what's going to happen to them yeah so yeah. i mean that's that's the thing. Okay. you know actually, people, he, yeah actually this is the last comment on this you know practice going to the next topic but um the one thing that people are praising stetson bennett on is his maturity level right he's a 25 year old quarterback and, you know, the one thing that you expect a 25 year old quarterback coming out of college is he should be more mature than that 19 or 20 year old kid that is coming out of college after his redshirt sophomore year. 
All right. So if that's not the case and he hasn't got it at the age of 25, when is he going to get it? But let's go to the second topic at hand, folks. Texas and OU and the rest of the Big 12 just got their schedules for the 2023 season. So that's meaning Texas and OU are still going to be in the Big 12 for the 2023. There was small hope that Texas and OU were going to go to the SEC this year, but it's looking like that's going to happen in 24. What are you guys' thoughts on Texas and OU uh, going to the SEC in 2024, and how do you think they're going to do? I'll start this off. I want to talk about the business side of this before we really get into this. And granted, what I'm using is a little bit dated, but I think it still carries, right? I I don't think the numbers will have shifted to such a significant significant degree that this information is no longer good because it's from December 12th, 2021. And it was ranking college football's most valuable programs. And they did the top 25. There's 24-7 sports and 12 are SEC teams if you include Texas and Oklahoma. There's a Power 5 conference <laughs> and half of the top 25 most valuable teams in the nation are residing in one conference once this move is complete. So whenever people ask, why would Texas and OU do this? Money. Yeah. Very simple. <laughs> there is billions of dollars at work here, people. This is a very simple con. And not only that, in terms of what we as fans need to expect, you know, getting away from the business side of this, you have two major brands that typically find themselves as top 25 teams entering into the SEC. Now, I have been an SEC fan, right? Like everybody else here on the panel, Jay, you're a Tennessee fan as well as an Oklahoma fan, but Nino, Texas, Chris, Oklahoma. One of the things the SEC loves to talk about because we truly believe it is, hey, week to week, like it's a gauntlet. And we can point to the end of the season saying, oh, well, this team only had this record. And SEC fans will say, yeah, because we knocked each other around all year playing the SEC teams. Adding Texas and Oklahoma only strengthens my argumentation in that as an SEC fan. So, of course, I'm happy about it because if I'm arguing that Bama should get into a playoff spot over a Wisconsin or a Michigan, I'm going to point to, yeah, well, did you have to play half of the most valuable teams in the nation to get there? No, no, we did. So yeah, we're going to get, I think this is a great move. I think it absolutely is coming in 2024. I don't see any reason to prolong it until 2025 because college football playoffs are expanding. Then what better way to make this move happen than whenever there's a grand change in college football. It just makes the most sense to unveil all of those at one time. That way it's smooth transitions. I, um, I'll jump in here and I'll say this right here. I think let's, let me just piggyback off of what Ty was saying with the whole like business side of it. My opinion, just from kind of loosely, but trying to be as close as possible as far as just, you know, looking at the terms and all the rest of that stuff and the money. My belief is that, there was too large of a gap. And let me preface that by saying, OU, I mean, not OU, but the Big 12 did what uh, this year to get their teams in there? They paid the buyouts. I don't necessarily think that the SEC was um, opposed to possibly helping pay buyouts for Texas and OU, but I think that they said, hey, we don't have anything to lose right now. We have more to all, all the, we have everything to gain. So, 
you can stay there. You could do what you need to do. And if you want us to do this, I, I really believe that the SEC could have made it happen just like the Big 12 made it happen. But I think what happened for OU in Texas is that they said, okay, let's take our time. Let's stack our classes. Let's actually build what we want to build. Let's get this in here. Um, it's not about playing a weak Big 12 schedule or playing this or playing that. I think what it was was that it was too much of a gap, but now that gap has closed to where OU and Texas can say, hey, look, um, opposed to having to pay $150 million, opposed to having to pay $90 million, opposed to having to pay $70 million, now if we do leave early, we'll probably have to pay 35 30 mm-hmm. mil, which we'll be able to um, – Really, I mean, counter, yeah, you know, we'll counter that with what we make from the Big 12 this year, and then when we move into the uh, to the SEC, we'll see that we'll, we'll see our return of investment that first year, probably as soon as we roll in, because everybody's going to want to get the new SEC logo on their gear. So, I think that if you just break it down like that, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know if that's what it actually was or what it boiled down to, but I just feel like now there's not too much of a gap between these universities that say, hey, we have enough to make that move, which I, I know that we went back and forth in Texas say that OSU, OU is broke and all the rest of this stuff. But I think that with just what Ty said, OU has a lot of money. Maybe we don't have the boosters or, or whatnot that you guys would have, the plethora of them that you have down there in Texas. But the thing about it is that both schools are able to do it. But I think that they said – hey, this is still too much money because, look, you could be rich and still make a bad investment, you know? So that's the whole thing. So I think that Texas and OU are looking at the investment and say, you know what, I don't think it's worth it yet because if we wait until 2024, that's probably the year. And I'm I'm really – I really would love to talk to somebody in the financial department, somebody who is – who can actually give some information because I would love to see the numbers on what it actually would take for them to leave or what it would have took them, uh, what, what it would have took for them to leave a year ago, two years ago, or however long ago, because, you know, it's, it's not like it's a secret. OU and Texas have been flirting with the SEC, the PAC 12, ACC even um, in some aspects for the last probably eight to 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, so my thing too, Chris, on that is um, Texas and, uh, and uh, OU got a hell of a recruiting class last year and this year as well. Um, headlined by two of the top quarterbacks in the nation. You know, you guys getting Jackson Arnold, us getting Arch. Texas and OU goes for the SEC in 2023. God forbid something happens to a Dylan Gabriel. God forbid, you know, you know something happens to Quinn. And those high-profile freshmen that we have, are forced into the SEC's gauntlet as a true freshman and have to play because we all understand that the depth behind uh, OU's quarterback, Texas quarterback, it's not as deep as some other teams in the nation. And so guys, you Ohio state. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, now of course we got Murphy as well. I I love me some Malik Murphy. You know, I, I think he's going to be a star, but, um, the fans, the boosters are going to want to see a Jackson Arnold play if DG can't play. They're going to want to see an Arch Manning play if something happens to Quinn. So, you know, I think this is very, very calculated by both those schools as well because they understand. I don't want to throw my prized investment out there um, 
game number three against Georgia. I don't I don't want Jackson Arnold. I don't want Arch going against Georgia in their third game after leaving high school. And so this is very calculated. Um, and and I think both schools understand that this is their time to capitalize on building some more depth within those classes, especially along the offense and the defensive line. I think both teams have done very well when it comes to the 2022, yeah, the 2022 class as well as 23 class as well, so that when they do go to the SEC, they are postured perfectly just fine to compete right away. And Nick, you made a good point with that last statement of it being calculated and making this – they're taking their time and trying to plan things out because – um, this is kind of one argument I've made with people when it comes to the difference between a Big 12 and like an SEC setup. And it's more so it's around recruiting mainly. And, and it's this. You have to recruit differently to win the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the way you recruit to win the Big 12 doesn't usually let you beat a top tier SEC school. Top tier. I'm talking yeah. about legendary SEC schools. Now, you can beat an Ole Miss. You'll beat a Mississippi State probably Florida too in a bowl game, but you're not going to beat Bama. You're not going to be LSU at their best. You're not going to be Bama at their best or Georgia at their best. But the Big 12, because of the way those offenses work, we've seen them be very successful in bowl games against every other conference. So you got to get more nimble, faster defensive linemen, offensive linemen you can switch out really quickly that are ready for a air raid, constantly in shape type of go, 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 go offense. That's the thing. Both teams have done a big push in recruiting in the trenches at size they're getting the bigger players that are built for the sec so that's really where you're seeing that difference so you're right i think they are calculating and saying we need about two years of recruits then that will give us just enough experience to be able to really compete in the sec so when that third class comes in and we're in the sec we've got depth yeah. Now, the question is going to be, of course, coaching. we got to make sure that both schools keep the same coaches so that they can actually take their time and get into this. And so I, I think that that makes the most sense with it. But the other thing, too, is this. I know we talk about money and we jo- everybody jokes about Oklahoma being broke. Um, and just like Chris mentioned, if you just because you're rich, if you make bad investments, don't don't mean you that. Like there's all kinds of reports about revenue and everything. And just like Ty mentioned about <clears throat> rankings for the schools. Look, listen to this. So in 2019, valuations, Wall Street Journal had a picture of the top uh, college football valuations. Texas was number one, and they were ranked uh, in 2018. They were at one billion. And then you had Alabama at number three at one billion. Ohio State was number two. Michigan, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oklahoma, Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, all of them in the top 10 of valuation for 18. 19's revenue. Texas, 163 million. Ohio State, 136 million. Bama, 140. Michigan, 130. Uh, Notre Dame was at 118, but Oklahoma had $126 million in rev. They bring in money. They've got money. Yeah. We've got money. They just don't spend it. They right. just don't spend it. And it's and we don't have high profile named boosters like Texas does. We all know, you know, Red and all of them big boys down there because they're all oil guys. And that's their thing. They're pretty flashy with their lifestyle. So money-wise, both schools got it. And so the last piece on them going in 24 and 24 makes sense because why pay a buyout because the Big 12 wants you to mm-hmm. when you can take your time and be meticulous about building your your team, your school, your facilities in preparation 
and just take their money. Like, yeah. what sense does yeah. it make to leave early and pay a buyout? Because the thing about it is, is that the Big 12's not even balking. They're not, they're not even allowing, like, a... Uh, they're balking at the idea of it being a smaller settlement. And it's like, right. no, they're like, no, you got to pay full payout <laughs> if you want to leave early. Like, okay, we ain't going to leave. Well, why are you still here? Because we're and, not paying full payout. We're not stupid. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what I was saying is that you don't you don't have to be a finance guy to understand that each institution did a cost benefit and cost effectiveness and analysis over this entire deal. They did their homework. They did they did their research, and now you kind of see why. Yeah. Um, it's, it's taking so long. And I think a lot of fans are eager for them to go and they think that they're tied. I don't necessarily think that um, either institution, um, let me rephrase that. I don't think that OU and Texas have to be at the hip to go to the uh, SEC right now. I think that either institution can probably go. They can find their way out of the deal, but it makes sense for both of them to go at the same time and for both of them to pay as little as possible if they yeah. have to pay anything on this buyout. So, yeah. I, yeah. If the Big 12 wants them gone now, they need to go ahead and cut them a deal, but they won't. And so, mm-hmm. OU and Texas are smart. They're like, okay, we'll stay. <laughs> but the Big 12, I'll tell you something, they don't want Texas and, and, and OU to leave anytime soon. No. No. Nah, because, because everybody knows – when Texas or OU goes into somebody's stadium, that's probably the only time their stadium's going to sell out that entire Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed sell out. Yeah. You know, so, the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. They sell yeah. out stadiums in the SEC. Like, yeah. it's going out of style. Yeah. I mean, the Mississippi yeah. states, even Vanderbilt is going to is going to want to get a piece of, of OU and Texas. You know, can, the Kentuckys of the world, a lot of those teams. That's exactly why y'all are moving to the SEC because you want to go this, to a conference that matches y'all's yeah, energy uh, yeah. and passion. And, and like this, Nebraska up there, and uh, they, they always sell out, but they, at the same time, you know, they got them Michigan and Michigan State are really, them Michigan and Ohio State are really, and Penn State, they're really the four that always sell out. So, yeah, no, sex same I get that, this, yeah. And this is why, and this is going to be the last comment on it, uh, Nick, if you want it, but this is why. I know it's a crazy analogy. I know it's a crazy comparison. This is why I say OU and Texas going to the SEC is very reminiscent of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall going to WCW. They're outsiders. They're poison. They're bad for business. All of this. And it's just like wrestling, back, especially back in, in the early days, and you still see it pop up now. With the Big 12 moving these teams into the uh, in, into the Big 12 in 2023, they went into business for themselves. Mm-hmm. Having yeah. OU and Texas play those 11 a.m. games, especially OU playing all these 11 a.m. games for the past however many years. Crazy. The business for themselves. So that's why I say, look, that, if you think that OU and Texas are not itching to get out of the Big 12 – you're fooling yourself, okay? And the thing about it is, is that, like I said, they just did their homework and this is what was the smartest route. We all, we all said, we all laughed at 2025. I don't think 2025. <laughs> Nobody <is>. believed that. <laughs> I think 2024 is realistic. I think that this is the last season that we will play. And I think that's kind of the handshake deal. And I think we'll go from there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, guys. We got two iconic brands going into the the iconic conference in college football. 
And it, it, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. You know, Texas, OU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, that, that little quartet right there alone should have never been split up. <laughs> yeah. That little quartet right there alone should, you know, like that should have never been, uh, you know, actually torn apart. But um, next topic, folks, and this is something I know Ty's probably going, you know, he'll probably want to hit on this here, but Nick Saban had a press conference here on Monday and he talked about uh, two certain players uh, requesting a total sum of $1.3 million in NIL funds, and he turned those players around and didn't accept them on this team. Ty, go ahead and start us off on this one, man. Yeah, and so I'm not going to get into specifics, right? It's not my business to say anything about that, but here's the deal. I've seen a lot of people online saying, oh, Nick Saban's a hypocrite. He doesn't like NIL. This is the same man that just gave a speech at the Texas High School Coaches Association in San Antonio that was bragging about his quarterback that hadn't taken a snap getting over a million dollars in NIL deals. The deal is, is that Bryce had been on campus for a year. They had an understanding of who he was. They knew that when you listen to Saban's comments, it's just the the fact of the wild, wild west out of it all. And we have to understand, Nick Saban has been in this business for a long time, right? Like, if if he gives an evaluation and then that player comes to him and says, okay, well, you want me, now you want me, plus I want 800,000. I'm going to trust Saban's evaluations, right? <laughs> like, that might sound harsh, but he, Kirby, these guys get it right a hell of a lot often more than they get it wrong. It's why mm-hmm. when you look at the development rates on like 24-7 sports, Georgia and Bama, and surprisingly, not an SEC team, but just it's on my mind, Virginia Tech blue chip prospect development rate is astronomically high, like way higher than you would think it'd be, but it's these evaluations. Now, Saban is obviously pro-NIL. It's the reason why he said that at the Texas High School Association. It's the reason why he gave that impassioned speech to his boosters about Jimbo Fisher a year ago, because he understands where he's at and how they have to mobilize. I just don't think Saban is going to play a lot of these games where people come in and demand money. I just think at that point, Saban's like, all right, well, you've almost self-selected yourself out. Now, whether or not that's going to be a sustainable model, we'll see. Luckily for Nick Saban, Alabama recruits itself on the development because one thing we do know is this NIL money is great, but NIL money is funny money compared to that NFL money. And these dudes are still getting a lot of money in the NFL. Like, didn't Alabama, I think they had a graphic where their players and contracts are earning a combined, like, $1.3 billion? It, it was something crazy, like what they've they earned 70, in the NFL. They had 70 players in the NFL on current rosters this year. Yes, 70 most Alabama ever. players on rosters this year. And Act- that's... That's exactly my point, Nino. That sells itself. So whenever people are like, oh, this isn't sustainable for Nick to do, well... Unfortunately, Alabama is almost the exception, not the rule. They can say, okay, well, you don't like that we're not going to pay you this. That's how many NFL players we have, so roll the dice. Like, And Georgia can do the same. Like, There are certain institutions that just can do this right now, um, but I-, I wasn't inherently surprised. right? I just think that it was the, uh, the demands of it that Nick Saban was probably like, yeah, that's not happening. You know what? I got something to say about that too, Todd. Um, you know, Mac Brown used to say a comment when he was coaching Texas. He goes, anytime he gets in front of a camera, he's talking to mama, right? He wants to talk to mama. True. 
Well, Nick Saban in this new NIL era, every time he's getting in front of a camera, he's talking to the NCAA compliance office. He's sending messages, 100%. Yes. Boosters, yeah. He, he is sending a message because, um, you know, anybody who thinks that pre-NIL and post-NIL, the Alabama players weren't getting paid, you're fooling yourself, right? It's, it's, it's happened at every school, every big-time school, these players are getting paid regardless if it was NIL or not. Yeah. Under the table, it's college under the football. Table. Yeah. It's just college football. NIL, the only thing that NIL has done has made it legal and put everything above the table and kind of even the playing field for people who didn't want to get that dirty. Right. So anytime Nick Saban talks about NIL now, it is a true opportunity for him to get in front of a camera and talk to the NCAA compliance officer because the kid that is that bold to come out and tell a head coach or somebody on his staff that he wants $800,000. What kind of character first off does that kid have? You know, we just talked about Stetson Bennett, right? And if he's that bold to say that to Saban or somebody on the staff, when he gets behind closed doors, what is he going to say to his friends or his homeboys or to somebody who's recording, you know, um, that he doesn't know about and he's, he's on camera on a, on a, on a, rigged up camera basically saying oh man i talked to nick saban i told him i want 800 he said i can't give you eight but i give you 750 right and so now that's in the compliance office so he's going to handle this above the table all legal and do this the way that it should be done because coaches can't really talk about the nil collectives they can tell you what they are but they can't tell you how much you're going to get and so nick saban, yeah he is making sure that when he gets in front of a camera, he's not talking to mama. He's talking to the NCAA compliance office to make sure that everything is checked off with him. Because when that player gets busted down the line eventually, he's going to say, I told you. That's the guy I was talking about. I told him no. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. Saban is notorious for sending messages through the media. Yeah. He's Can very I, subliminal with it. I want to jump off where Ty last left off, and that is the uh, the demands, basically, of, of, of what these – these uh these players are requested it kind of gets a bit ridiculous at times simply because i mean like think about what this offensive lineman um ty what's his name the kid that transferred to uh i don't know (laughs) i don't know anyways so that kid i mean the, the the rumor out there is that i guess he asked for $500,000 $500,000 and then for Alabama to pay for his uh, girl or get his girlfriend to law school and, and pay, pay for tuition. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what it's like there here in Oklahoma. I think that OU is like, I think 20, maybe for the whole year or so. Like, but I know like OCU is like 40 per semester. In state so, is 23. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's it it costs a pretty penny to go to law school and so i mean hey you know get rich die trying you gotta ask i mean you gotta make the request i mean if you bought it like that do it (laughs) it's just crazy it's like for me i'm like okay nick saban i don't see him being a jerk with that move because it's like okay i get the five hundred thousand dollars but now you're telling me that I need to go and, and demand that they bypass all these other students who are going to go and take the same test, same exam. And now I need to get your get, have your girlfriend bypass that and go take classes that she may or may not uh, pass or 
in law school from personal experience, I can tell you like this right here. You show up the first day and you have 160 people in your class. The very next week, you may have 130. And that it doesn't matter if people came in there with a 145 on the L on the uh, on the LSAT, or they came in there with a 175. It's all about this right here. And are you mentally tough to get through it? It's like boot camp the first six weeks. So the whole thing is, is that you're taking a chance to pay for somebody's tuition that may not even be there the next day because it's it's not a game once you get in there. It's just like with some of these college athletes, as soon as they get there to college, it's like, damn, I didn't realize we we're going to work out and actually do this this much. But it's just the, the, the audacity. I think that's what got Nick Saban on this one was like, really? Like, that, that's what you want? Yeah, and to piggyback off of your point, and I'll pass it off quickly, I don't know if Alabama's law school is like this. I don't know if Oklahoma's law school is like this, but I'll never forget when I was touring Ohio State's law school, the dean of the law school, one of the major selling points to us, because we just came from a tour from Northwestern's law school, he said, we don't have like the competitive structure here. Meaning like if 10 students in the class earn an A, all 10 students will earn an A. And y'all might sit here and be like, yeah, that's how it should be. That's not... There are a lot of law schools where you might have three A's in that mm -hmm. class and everything else is graded on a curve. Mm -hmm. So you could, you, Hey, just kind of piggybacking. I know that has no bearing on, but it, it's, it's a totally different mindset, mental game. It's a grind. They yeah, put you through. It's a grind. And so you're There's sitting the reason there, I'm here. Yeah. And so you, you're sitting there just like, man, that's a lot to ask, man. Like, do you actually, cause I don't think I don't think like that kid right there, particularly, I don't think that he actually thought that out. I think that he was just like, OK, it works like that. It, it's not, you know, you're not going to get any special privileges there either. And so and the thing about it is, it's like, dude, this is just your girlfriend. You may not even be with her next week. Like, oh. well, I think the <laughs> other thing to consider with this is, of course, the age of the, of the kid that's there and them understanding just how the world actually works because a lot of people don't get that they don't mm -hmm. truly understand it at that yeah. age sometimes it takes a bit of experience to get it they may not have the proper guidance from you know an adult or whatnot but kind of to go off of what ty was talking about here actually all you guys kind of made mention of this is with saving sending these signals i know a lot of people think that you know, NIL has gone to hell or whatnot but we've talked about this in the past it's going to level out right now it's wild it's going to level itself out eventually because at a certain point, all of this money that's that's being brought together by boosters and and all of these people, they're going to start looking for some sort of a quote unquote return on investment. And I say that in quote unquote because there's one thing that has zero return on investment when it comes to collegiate, when it comes to sports in the college in general is boosters. Like they're the only people in the world that will burn money at their school and literally get nothing out of it besides bragging rights. Like that's it. Like, and they have no problem with it. Like, it's cool. It's like, you know, I'm going to throw thousands, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars up here. Like, what are you getting from it? Well, they may put my name on a building, but outside of that, my school might win. <laughs> that, that's what I'm going for. So um, it'll level out. It'll level out on NILPs. But it's what's funny about this kid and asking for this and what we're going to see is this is going to be the real weeding out of those of those five stars that truly aren't five stars like the players that are just that we think are talented based upon ratings and you realize that oh because only like 50 percent of five stars go pro and 
when you look at it, when it comes to some of these kids, that's the attitude that usually helps them push themselves out of being an elite player at that level. They may be athletic or whatnot, but they live off of that and don't want to be taught. Those type of players are going to weed themselves out. So to be honest, I kind of am glad that these kids exist because mm-hmm. then you get a better understanding of, huh, you got you had a character that I definitely don't want on my roster. And I promise you, those two names, you probably won't hear about them in the next two years. I, I think I think one thing to keep in mind, um, and, and I'll, I'll end it on this right here. <clears throat> I think one thing to keep in mind is that not only that kid, not only what Saban is doing, but the saga that was Jalen Rashada, I, I think that that's mm. something that's that put college football uh, on alert. The, the entire college football world that this is something serious that could happen. Um, do I think Arizona State is a good fit for him? I really don't know. I think Arizona State is kind of the the trendy place right now because you kind of got the you got the cool coaches, you got the cool guys that are there who have serious connections and are good coaches. But the whole thing is that we're going to have to see because, in my opinion, I'm like, okay, Jalen Rashada, you're going to have to show me that you're different than Jalen Daniels. Like, I I mean, I I feel like (laughs) I've seen you before, especially with you going to Arizona State. I feel like I've been here before. So show me that you're worth the 13 mil or however much that you've gotten. But it's something that Ty, Jay, and I, we're going to dive deep into that, people, as far as the NIL, because it's such a – it's a vast topic. It it could be very vast, but if you really take out the nuts and bolts of it, you can really get to the bottom of it pretty quickly. So real quick, I got one thing that I like to make comment on and I try, I'm trying to make sure I do this every time I talk about NIL or money to these kids. Anybody watching this, please do me a favor. Do not be dumb enough to believe that taxes is going to be a problem for these kids. And I'm going (laughs) to say this for this one reason. If taxes are a problem to these kids, that's a failure on the coach. If these guys are leaders of men, They should have all the infrastructure set up for these players. If they don't, that's on the coach. It's not on the kid. Just FYI. Exactly. Um, (laughs) You know, so (laughs) last thing about this topic, folks, is, you know, when it comes to those five stars who are trying to, you know, get this money off top, it kind of shows you what this generation is too, right? You know, it's a, it's a me first generation, you know, it's everybody gets a trophy generation. Um, But that's what makes five stars like a Bryce Young, really special right that's what makes them so special that's what makes a guy like b john robinson a special guy these guys got a lot of got a lot of money through through the nil process a lot of money but it seems like they did it the right way right you know they didn't go out there pounding their chest talking about give me give me money um but that also comes from just looking at those two guys those two guys come from really good foundations too and a lot of these kids that are that are high profile athletes Sometimes the foundation that they come from, the home environment, the neighborhoods that they come from, aren't the best foundations that mm-hmm. are going to put them in the right situation to ask the right question about NIL or to not even know that telling the greatest college football coach of all time that I'm not coming to the school unless I get 800000 or I'm getting 500000 and my girlfriend's going to law school, like, that might not be the best thing to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, folks, we talked enough about NIL today. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have some more episodes on that, but um, let's go down mm-hmm. to topic number four. Uh, Alabama, 
Alabama right now has no offensive coordinator, no defensive coordinator. They're in a current OC and DC search with a lot of candidates. Noise has, uh, you know, come about saying that University of Washington's offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubbs, some people are saying that he declined the offer. Some people saying he wasn't the offer. What are you guys' thoughts on the OC and the DC situation at Alabama, folks? Let me lead this one. Oh, let me lead this oh. one. Let me lead this one. Let me lead this one. Um, because I got a question for Ty on this for the most part. Kind of curious. Now, this isn't this isn't anything, you know, I'm not I'm not taking shots or anything like that, but I, I'm truly curious about your thoughts on this, Ty. I just saw an article that popped out. 24-7 just gave um Charles Kelly, uh recruiter of the year. And he left kind of early. Then right after he left, not too long later, Pete Golding basically left also. Do you think Saban wish he would have he'd have kept him instead? I'm no. truly curious about that. No, have you ever seen his numbers as defensive coordinator? <laughs> they I see great. it in his past. Yes. But it's And seems also, like... look, I love Charles Kelly. Mm-hmm. That safety room. I mean, Nino, you were a Texas fan. What did y'all do to our safeties? Yeah. <laughs> what, Jay, you're a Tennessee fan. What did y'all do to our safeties? Yeah. I, I'm more so, I, and, and, and you're fair. I'm curious because he, how long has he been there? He's been there. Look, he is a phenomenal coach. I'm not trying to take shots in the He's a phenomenal right, coach. Right, 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 he's right, right. A right. phenomenal recruiter. Bama has sent him to secure commitments from everybody, from Will Anderson, offense. That dude is a menace on the trail. But in terms of overtaking the defensive ah. coordinator job, no. No. He's there, three, I, I he's there four years. He was, yeah. He was like, okay. Super. And I was truly curious about that. I was truly just curious about that because when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I know that he's a menace when it comes to recruiting and stuff. I was curious to, if Saban wanted to. Have someone that he could have more of a thumb on, and while he figures out the new transition to a new DC, if he would have preferred to keep him, since he decided that Pete Golden was not. Well, did next you see who was number three on the list? Who's that? Freddie Roach, Alabama Freddie. defensive line coach. Who was number two on the list? Robert Gillespie, Alabama running back coach. Number nine on the list, Holloman Wiggins, Alabama wide receiver. Oh, yeah, Alabama's wide receiver coach. Yeah. So like Freddie no. Roach is still right there. Um, now he's. Not, I don't think he'll get the nod, but no, I. I I think that, you know, if they could have kept Kelly on staff at safety's coach, they'd have been over the moon to keep Kelly on staff mm-hmm. at safety coach. No question about that. But this opportunity for Charles Kelly is a great one. No doubt. Oh, no. Very yeah. fair. Very fair. Okay. Hey. That was all I wanted to know. Yeah. Hey, Tasha, what's your thoughts of Pete Golden leaving and going to Georgia? Um, so I said this in the video, right? And I think y'all have talked to me enough now, you kind of know how I like to style my content, right? Where it's not that I'm trying to ever sunshine pump, but I'm giving you a situation and giving you the positive spin on it, right? Because there's nothing you can do about the negative. So what do you do moving forward? You kind of pick yourself up. But here's the interesting thing there. Doesn't that, isn't that kind of saying the quiet part out loud? He left for a defensive coordinator position from the University of Alabama to Ole Miss. To Ole Miss, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess by literal definition, that's a lateral move. Right. Exactly. But like, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said Georgia by mistake. I mean, Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, that, I, I, and yeah. that leads to another question for me on that. And you're right. What made it jump out to me is I'm wondering if 
the the grind of Saban is getting to people. Well, that's what I'm curious about too. I I definitely think that he wanted to lower his expect the expectation. Or he wanted more control. Yeah. Or he wanted more control, and Saban. I don't even think it was a control thing. I think I think Saban trusted him, obviously, with some of the dumb things that he would go out to two four five, right? But uh, one four six, one four six, two four five, yeah, all of that. So we we run a two four five successfully. It was the one four six that just makes absolutely no sense. That's what I'm saying. So I think he put I put think he put more more stock and faith in Pete Golden than what we're giving him credit for. But I think Pete Golden went to a place where he has the lo- lower expectations. I, I, I think, think it's a great that, point. yeah, after a while, it kind of caught up, caught up to him. I, I, I just, I don't know. It, it just, it's something about being in Alabama and it, you know, here's a point, you know, I always say, Hey, my, he brought up a good point to me this morning. He said, you know, if the, if what they said about Ryan Grubb is true, that's stupid. Why? Because you have to look at the long term. It's Bama. Bama is going to set me up for a, a really good head coaching job if I go and do do what I need to do there for two years. I see. I see you shaking your head, but I'm just saying Washington is not going to get him where he wants to go if he wants to be a head coach at a, at a significant. Why no? Why no, Jay? So I went back through and looked at all the coaches that have worked under Nick Saban over his entire tenure. And I'm going to be 100% honest. Offensive coordinators do not get good jobs underneath him unless they've been a head coach at multiple places. One person has gotten a good job under Nick Saban. Sarkeesian. That's Lane it. Lane Piffin. Yeah, Lane, Lane went to right? – L- listen, Lane Mike went Loxley. to Florida Atlantic. Mike Loxley was the interim head coach at Maryland before he went to Alabama. What about sure, like, And he went back to Maryland. What about Jimbo? Jimbo was with him at LSU, went to Florida State as an offensive coordinator and became the head coach in waiting under um, Bobby Bowden. No, I'm like, I went through every single coach and it's no shade to Saban or anything like that, but Saban has had eight offensive coordinators in the 16 years he's been in Alabama. It's an average of a change every two years. Let let me go on the list. Let me go on the list. The offensive shift Alabama had ever since they. Well, that's the thing about it. That's the thing is, and that was my was going to be my point is that Saban changes his offense to adjust to what's going on. But the unfortunate thing is, his OCs do not do not translate next to new jobs. Like Jim McElwain, he was there the longest as an offensive coordinator for Alabama. He ended up at Colorado State for like three years before he get the Florida job. He didn't immediately, even after national championships, he didn't even get a power five job Jay, fresh from Jay, Saban's shadow. Jay, Jay. Now, defensively, let me finish. Defensively, it does work, but the only way it works defensively for you to get a power five job underneath Saban, you got to be there for at least nine years. Both Jay. Jeremy Pruitt, and Kirby Smart was underneath him for for nine years before they had the opportunity to get a head coaching job at a at a Power Five. My Jay, point, I, my I, point, my point. Wait, is Jeremy this. Pruitt was only defensive coordinator for two years. He was on the staff for nine years. But if we're doing that, then Mario Cristobal counts. Billy Napier counts. If we're doing that, then I get to open up the flood books. Well, and and and, and, and that's fair. But my I, but that's the thing. Comes to well, what did Mario go before he went up at Oregon? Wasn't he I'm talking about like he's saying that go to Bama, you get a power five head coaching job. The only person that got that was Sark and Sark was head coach at USC and Washington before he had experience. Lane screwed himself, but luckily, but that goes to Nick Saban's 
uh, school of rehabilitating uh, offensive coordinators over the last few years, which I give him mad props for. He does that. But but Lane, I'm sorry, but didn't Lane do that to himself? Yes, yeah, I, yes, it was yeah. all Lane. It was all Lane. I'm not saying this was Saban. I'm just saying it doesn't translate hey, to Lane with the jobs. A choice, not because it's all he had. He turned down the Auburn job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wanted just to get. He turned it. down just the Auburn job. job. Just no, he it. wanted the Auburn job, but Auburn's job wasn't open yet. Okay, okay. I'm about to jump. He in reached here. out. I'm about, to, I'm about to kill Jay's points. <laughs> I, I I really think that I, I see ahead. that you went and did your due diligence. I see that you did your homework. I'm glad I'm glad that you you got to get on here and show your work. But I think one of the things you have to also understand is that that's really situation because you got to we we need to go back and, and and take it as a full 360 and look at those years and see what jobs were really open and 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 if those jobs because I mean there's a lot of ten uh, ten tenure coaches because you're talking about Nine years, nine years, this and that, this and that. There's X amount of many Hall of Fame coaches that are not coaching anymore that were coaching at that time. And so that's my whole thing. I don't I don't think it's a thing of that. I did have to disagree with that point because I don't think you're taking in several factors. I think you're just looking at that one minute factor and saying they don't always get that top job. I, I, I think it's one of those things of what cool. jobs are actually out there. And here's, here's where I'll take it further, right? Here's where my major pushback occurs. Alabama shifted their offensive philosophies in 2015. Ever since then, they've had Lane Kiffin, who's now the head coach at Ole Miss, Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the head coach at Texas and was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, Brian DeBole, who's doing God's work in the NFL, Mike Loxley, who's with the Maryland. Uh, was with Maryland. Sounds like they're batting He's pretty damn good to me. Well, let's, seems- pull back on, let's pull back on that. Dayball was an NFL guy, Belichick guy, that is also friends with Nick Saban. Remember, Nick Saban and Belichick trade stuff back and forth all the time. Came to college for one year, wasn't feeling it, and went back to the NFL. He already had NFL experience. It wasn't like he got looked at by NFL people. He was under uh, Belichick for years before he came. he got looked at in that position because of the work he had done offensive coordinator. No, actually, he didn't. He got that. He moved back to the NFL because – when he was at uh, at the Patriots, he's under Josh McDaniels. And he left to come to Alabama, went for a year, which is – this is the weirdest thing, too. Of all the quarterbacks that he's had that he's made great stuff happen, that one year with Jalen Hurts, surprised me that he didn't make – he didn't that, – that Hurts didn't throw for over 4,000 yards. Really weird. Has nothing to do with Hurts or Dayball. It's just a weird SEC, uh, scenario. Of the year? He did. He only threw for like 2,700 yards, which was weird. But that's to your point. That was the shift in the offenses. But my point behind what I'm saying is Sark was a head coach at two other places. I'm talking about but guys that have is, never been is, head coaches. Sure, sure. He could have he could be the mayor of China for all I give a damn. Where where were people willing to hire him? But Sark but was no, hired to USC. But like I'm he saying was... after, after that, Jay, after who was coming after Sark? Name me the list. Well, Sark had to quit his job because of personal problems, which was my point. Like, both Lane Kiffin and Sark had personal Now you're purposefully avoiding. You're swimming around the question I'm asking. This is a simple question. No, 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 it is. It is. It's a one word. No, no, no. They both stepped down from – they both lost their jobs because of stuff that they did. People who are avoiding the question don't want to answer the question. I'm going (laughs) to give you a yes or no. Okay. Was there a long list of teams calling out for Lane Kiffin when Nick Saban got him? Yes or no? No, not okay. at all. Was there a long list of teams calling out for Steve Sarkeesian when he got him? Yes or no? No. Mike Loxley, yes or no? Yes. No. No. Loxley was the interim head coach at Maryland. Yes, and Remember did they that. give him the head coaching job? 
No. No. And what what opportunities did he get after that? He did. He so he came to Alabama. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, but but who who else wanted him as an offensive coordinator? I think he had some other offers, but he went to Alabama instead. Uh, he I'm, went to I, Alabama I, I, for a reason, and now. So once I'm again, not... I'm pointing the painting of we can we can cherry pick all of these things, but we have to look at the complete picture. You're giving us a glimpse of an eye and saying this is a male's eye, but you're not zooming out and showing us it's the Mona Lisa. It's not a male. It's what you're framing it to be. Argumentation I, is funny like that. I and disagree with you And now that we open there. it up, I'm showing you that you're you're predicating all of your data off of really before Alabama's offensive philosophy changed, ever since then, it has been a coaching rehabilitation. Nobody wanted those guys. They came in and got better offers after. Well, I don't know if Florida Atlantic is a better offer, but... But I that was what he that. did on purpose. He yeah, turned think, down head coaching jobs. I, think I, like, I promise you he turned down head coaching jobs yeah, at other... Yeah, I think All I think right. Lane just wanted to get from away from Alabama. I was just like, who's going to pay me, and I can do a little bit of work, and let me just recharge. You know, let me just recharge my batteries right quick. You okay. know, and yeah, yeah. So that's my opinion with Lane. But one thing I will say though, Ty, is yes, I don't think a lot of people were knocking down Sarge's door or Kiffin's door. But one thing that I, that Saban had had done that I think has worked wonders. For Alabama and a lot of these folks hiring so many of these ex-coaches as analysts. And yes. this this is the first coach that you've seen have a full staff of ex-head coaches, ex-awesome defensive coordinators and, and like offensive coordinators come to work at Alabama for less than thirty thousand dollars a year to be an analyst to get rehabbed. I mean, that that's that's pretty much it. Huh. You know, look at Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong was an analyst at Alabama just two years ago, you know, uh, well, well, actually three years ago. Right. And then he left there to go work with uh, Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's like, it's the coach's rehab. That's what Saban does. He gets folks that nobody wants anymore. Uh, he builds them up, builds their confidence up, puts them back, you know, like to the league or back to college football to go do better things. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Once he's changed the offensive identity, um, because great yeah. philosophy change, I'm with you. Offensively, yeah. it's not a destination. After that offensive change, every coach that's came in has seen an increase in their career trajectory afterwards. In their salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay, so just sticking on the uh, the OC standpoint, right? So I saw just a couple names here. Tell me what you guys think about these. Uh, first one was Cliff Kingsbury, right? We already talked about Ryan Grubbs. Um uh, and then also two NFL names that I saw this this afternoon, Freddie Kitchens and Greg Roman. My opinion, I don't think Saban's going to go the NFL route again. Uh, you know, I think he's like, I'm done with the NFL route. If, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do something that's going to be fun and attractive to these kids when they come and play. Um, a Cliff Kingsbury, yes, he was in the NFL, but he got his chops in college football. I think a guy like Cliff Kingsbury would kill it. Does Cliff Kingsbury come back and coach? Does he want to recruit? He's having fun in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. But that was his biggest knock. Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. There you go. That was his biggest knock. He hated recruiting, right? You know, so uh, – but a school like Alabama recruits itself. So does he really have to recruit there? He can say, I'm Cliff Kingsbury. You guys know who the hell I am. Um, I, like, I am that guy when it comes to offense. And I'm going to be your OC. And Nick Saban's going to be the head coach. Like, like, how can you say no to that from an offensive standpoint? You guys thoughts on that? 
So there's also another name NFL wise that I'd like to throw in, and I have no personal information oh, here, but just like one that I would love, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, I think about that. Eagles quarterback coach. That's a name that I would be over the moon with if we could get him as offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator, I just need the NCAA to clear Jeremy Pruitt. Give me that, and we're good to go. Honestly, that's a good point. Pruitt, Pruitt's coming back would be perfect because he'd be able to run the defense you run before. It'd be they'd be yeah. hard-nosed. They'd, they'd do everything you need to do. Honestly, the coordinator that I'm expecting is Dan Mullins. Dan Mullen. I mean, he needs to be rehabbed. Why not bring another one in? Another former head coach? Let him come in yeah. and do his thing. He said he was fine in TV. I hope yeah. he, I'd be happy with that, though. Yeah, he's a he's a saving uh, you know guy too. What about the name that's been floated around here for the last couple of weeks in Joe Brady? Good with it. I'm very good with it. We saw what he did in LSU's it. passing game. <laughs> yeah, you saw what he did to Alabama when he was there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, I, yeah. it's burned in my so memory. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched what he did to Oklahoma in the in the playoffs. Yeah. Yes, he would be great. The I think the only problem with the Joe Brady and me and Ty talked about this. We talked back and forth on it. Is really this: Joe Brady has made it known he doesn't like recruiting, and I do not see Nick Saban not making people work. I just can't see it. I cannot see him saying, "You know what? I'm gonna be lax for just for you." Nah, that's just not the Saban way. Like his way is like Belichick. It's boring. It's annoying. It's grinding. It's grinding. But, but guess works. what? It leads to championships. Works. Yeah. Yes. Why so, would? Yeah, I don't. I don't see Joe Brady happening. Only because you know, of that. Yeah, you know, I see Saban kind of going the route of somebody just a little bit more seasoned. I like the Dan Mullen. Jay, I didn't think about that. I think Dan Mullen be an awesome pick. He's already worked with Saban before. You know, he he gets it. He's an older guy that's going to be stable, stay in the program for a little bit longer. Not going to chase the big, big job again, you know, because Saban's having a problem with I wouldn't say a problem, but it's just um, he goes against these high profile guys who are bringing in awesome offenses to Alabama. And I used to tell my wife all the time, who's a Bama fan, I used to say, imagine Nick Saban if he went out and got a guy like Cam Newton to play quarterback at Alabama. They would be freaking unstoppable. He never recruited that kind of guy and he never had the offenses that were just electrifying. Alabama was going to win very boring games, folks. It just was what it was. They're going to run the ball a lot. They were winning with A.J. McCarron and McElroy, okay? You know, so, <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah, that's the, yeah, Coker. Yeah, so that's the kind of ball that Blake he likes. Blake Sims. Oh, just a part. I wish we would have won with Blake Sims. He was one of my like favorite Sims. Alabama players of, like, I'm yeah, really big fan so of bad Sims. for the kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he was winning – with those kind of quarterbacks. Um, so it's almost like he didn't want to flip the script and go all the way to the left when it came to these high-powered offenses. But when he did, once he finally flipped that switch, now you're seeing kids that uh, run hell of an offenses in high school that are five-star recruits at quarterback. I mean, these guys are wanting to come play for Alabama. And this is when you're seeing a guy like Jalen Hurts, who wasn't a five-star, but he was a national top 200 player, right? Comes in and who who can run the ball, who can pass the ball as well. You're seeing a guy like uh, Tua come in and who could run the ball and pass the ball. And you're seeing a guy like Bryce Young, you know? So you're seeing like the maturation process of the quarterback position underneath Saban and these high-powered offenses. Once he got that, I thought sky was the limit. He actually won more without a high-powered quarterback. <laughs> but, you know, he had to adapt to assure that, 
um, he kept up with the times. And I think a guy like Dan Mullen would be a great pickup. That's a good one, Jay. That's a good one. And, and don't get it twisted. That's the one thing that I've said about Saban, about the, the, the school of rehabilitation. We make the joke, but I'm like legit like ecstatic for just how great he is for thinking of doing that. He's like, you know what? You're just you're you're a coach that's in shambles. Come come underneath me. Let me humble you, and then we'll start working on rebuilding your brand because you desperately need it. Um, yeah. and and he was smart. Also, the Lane Kiffin, brilliant Lane Kiffin, and, and Sarkeesian basically at the same time. Roughly, it feels like um, knowing that you had to change your offense to compete long term. That's the genius of Nick Saban. That's the genius of the things he's done over the years. So yeah, I mean. Never yeah. knock him for doing it because he's smart. I'm curious, why have we not heard about Scott Frost down there in Alabama yet? I Ooh. just don't get it. It's because Scott Frost has had some good offenses. No, and he yes, very man. well. UCF. I, I, I am I, surprised we haven't heard that name yet. You know, we talk a lot about the offensive coordinator. But I want to give a little bit of love to the defensive coordinator position. Why you're getting Jeremy? P- Hopefully, but um, you know, there was a report <laughs> that stated that Todd Grantham could be on the list of candidates, and I swear. I will just cry internally if Todd Grantham is the D third and Grantham cannot take a, I will call Pete Golding and move him back to Tuscaloosa personally. If Todd Grantham is announced. But what if Saban's going to be doing the uh, rehabilitation to Todd Grantham? Jay, I hear you. I hear you, (laughs) but there's limits. (laughs) There are limits to these things. And there's there's levels to this. He ain't on the level I want. And, the limits in the human body. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's going to be interesting. No. I love no, it. it can't I love be Todd it. Grantham. Please. Please, God. Uh, that's what's up. But hey, anything that happens when it comes to the OC and DC, Saban's going to make a right hire. He, he, you know, he always does. Even when we thought Saban made bad hires, the team still did outstanding, to be honest with you. This is a down year for uh, Bama. This is a down year, and they lost two games by a total of four points this year. This is a down year, folks. I mean, I just want to ask Ty that last hire at OC was not a good hire. <laughs> no, I'm, I, but, but what I'm getting at is, yeah, I'm not a fan of Bill O'Brien either. I didn't think he was a good, you know, OC. My wife screamed at me every week. She screamed at the television. She didn't even know who the hell Bill O'Brien was, but she saw the office this year and was like, who the hell is calling the plays? It you mean sucked. six yard curl? <laughs> NFL plays. Board, all four wide receivers. NFL right? plays. NFL, he's running NFL offenses <laughs> that know, don't work. I know. I know. It does not work. When, when he left Bama, my wife called me and was like, baby, he's gone. Who's <laughs> <laughs> he? She goes, him. <laughs> that Be guy. Him. He's you know, gone. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We look through the aisles of history at moments where you answer a call or there is a moment of mass public importance and the moment is referred to he is gone, right? <laughs> like your wife calling you, he is gone. The other one, you know, this we're stacking up a notoriety here. What's it? Ladies and gentlemen, we got him, right? We didn't need a name. We knew. It's him. We knew who him was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, All right, we spent way too much time on these damn coordinators for your team, Ty. I'm just glad you guys don't have we coordinators. Spent way yet. too much time trying to hire them. I'm just Fair glad point. you guys have coordinators yet because we play you guys week two, and I'm hoping this drags oh. out all through the summer. No, so. no, 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 no. We got stuff we got to figure out. <laughs> all right, man. So last topic here, guys. Hypo's extension at Tennessee. Was this too soon? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? So if I could start this off, 
<laughs> and I just have one really quick because I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, right? Like the, the results are there. They had a great season. You look at the recruiting, Nicholas Iamaya I've said, I know he's not rated as the number one quarterback in the class. If you told me right now, Ty, Bama can get any quarterback in the nation. Who do you want? Jackson Arnold? Amazing playmaker. Dante Moore? Unbelievable. Arch Manning? Incredible. For whatever reason, I've always just thought Nico's game was so fun to watch. I've been a big fan. Yes, so I, I, get the, I get the extension. But, guys, this is the Nick Saban extension. Right, like you beat Nick Saban, you have showed you're now here to play in the SEC, and you get the extension. Jimbo Fisher had the Nick Saban extension. Kirby Smart had had earned it, right? Like I don't think he needed to beat Nick Saban. His results were already up a hair away from national title, right? Um, but I mean, you look at like even an Ed Ogeron. We thought he was the second coming. Granted, he had that incredible season, but beat Nick Saban won the national championship. And so don't get me wrong. I, I'm obviously joking, right? Like there, that's only one of many factors as to why he got this contract extension, but you can bet your bottom dollar. It's something that his agent brought up in negotiations. <laughs> like we beat Nick Saban and we're here. Well, first off, you know who his agent is. He's Jimmy Sexton yeah. all the way. Every <laughs> SEC coach is Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy, Jimmy Sexton, Sexton yeah. that, that yeah, yeah. man just gets rich. Everywhere yes. we we don't have a face for him, but we know his name and he's him. He's him. He's him. He's him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. <laughs> but to add to that, you know, to be honest, I mean, you say that you're, you're saying that playfully, Ty, and totally get it. But I agree 100. This is the Nick Saban extension, and I don't like it. Oh, not okay. that. Not that I don't think that Hypo can do it, that he's worth extending. I hate when coaches get the extension after the second season of one really good year. That's fair. The Mel Tucker effect, and then they go down the toilet bowl. Tom we Hulk? don't know what next year is going to look like, um, especially because as much as I love Joe Milton, I don't know if anybody can help him. That dude just throws the ball so damn hard that he's going to throw it through one of his receivers chest and it's going to come out on the other end on one of these slots one of these uh slants it's going to happen i promise you he's the dude that will throw a javelin and it'll fly over like three states and hit somebody randomly in a parking lot that's how strong that dude is when you see him throw he's got a cannon he's like he's like a cam newton that's just not as athletic that's what he looks like big strong and a rocket i am just concerned that when you start paying these coaches this early and they don't produce the next year, they get comfortable. I don't think Hypo will. He's a former Sooner, so I still love him to death on that. I just don't like when they give them this money this early because we, we, it, it, it rarely works out. If you go back and look historically on this, most of these coaches that get that extension after one really good year, they've been fizzling out. That's bothersome to me. That just bothers I'm just I'm nervous because it feels like more of a bad omen than it does – that it's good faith to him. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not that it's him. It's yeah. just, it it's feels just, like it's a bad luck move. Every school who's thinking about extending the coach after one good season needs to go take a look at what Texas A&M did with Jimbo Fisher. Boy, howdy. And guaranteeing him all that. Was it 10 year, 95 million, 10 year, 98 million, you know? And so, and he got the Mel great Tucker. Work. Yeah. Both. Um, you know, he got the great class like the next year, and that's great. I mean, we get it. The whole class is in the transfer portal now. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's 
look at that scenario. I would rather overpay a great coach late than to overpay a bad coach early. And and it is what it is. Make them work for that contract. Make them work for it. They're already getting paid four or five million dollars a year. Right. It just is what it is. You're at a school like Tennessee. He's not leaving. What other bigger brand of a school is he going to go to? You know, it's going to have an opening. Right. It's going to have an opening. Georgia's not open. Um, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, USC. Yeah. Text. None of those schools are open. None. All right. So he is safe there. You know, if he's talking about leaving, say, okay, go. Yeah, I would have yeah. extended him next season. Next season, wow. I would have extended him. This yeah. summer was to me just premature. It was just premature, and it's not. I'll, I understand he broke fifteen single season records at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. He he looks like he's the second coming of Phil Fulmer, and we may have a year where we may actually win a title, or we'll just go through and just be consistently winning. But I just it feels immature because it feels like a bad omen, man. I just don't want the bad luck to hit. I want to see. I, I agree with Jay. I would have did it after this year because I think this year right here tells you a lot. Um, look, Joe Milton. I, I to be honest with you, I know that everybody is is in love with Nico. Joe Milton has all the talent in the world to go out there and have a hell of a year. Nico um, probably needs in a perfect world, Nico, yeah. like Jackson Arnold, like uh-huh. learn the system. But yeah. I, you know, you guys know I'm I'm pretty consistent in that I I I think in a yeah. perfect world a lot of these freshman quarterback come in, but, sit a year, and then Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to Same. say is is this right here is that look, Hendon Hooker had an incredible career at at Tennessee and the what year and a half that he was basically there. But it's you can argue that probably the most talented quarterback on that roster was sitting right there behind him. It's just the fact that Joe Milton can't put it together. You can't put two and two together right now. So I mean, he was a starter that, last year. Yeah. And and I was at the pit game yeah. when they benched him because yeah. I understood why. He kept throwing it six yards over his receivers' heads, and yeah. those receivers ran four threes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's a guy that has all the arm strength in the world. It's just can he be consistent? And I think that was those were the problems at Michigan. And because to be quite mm-hmm. frank with you, um, he was supposed to be the guy. He was next in line, and and they tried to give him the job, I believe, at Michigan, but things just didn't work out. Goes they benched him. So they benched him for K. Like, yeah. you know, when we talk about these extensions and all the rest of that stuff, do I think it's warranted? I mean, I, I think that it's it's a nod in the right in the, in the right direction because you're paying him back for the faith that he 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 bestowed upon you guys coming there after the whole Jeremy Pruitt saga. But looking at the schedule, we're going to be able to figure out what Tennessee is made of uh, real quick. They got Virginia. They should beat Virginia handily, but you never know. Virginia two months to prepare, all that time to prepare. This that could be a hell of a game. Austin P. We know well, that'd that. be their Super Bowl. Yeah, we know that yeah. what that's going to be. The third game of the season, you go down there to, uh, you go to Florida, you go to Gainesville, and um, even though you're probably on paper better than them, that should be a tougher game. Th- this next year is what you're hoping. Then you come back UTSA. We know UTSA is going to be a tough game. It's not going to be one that you can just sleep sleep on. And come out there at 11 a.m. and play. You know poor football and expect to win that game by, by 30 still. And then they have South Carolina, which South Carolina, we already know they're, they're up, they're down, they're down, they're up. Shout out to Spencer Rattler. And Spencer then, 
Spencer did his thing last year. Huh? Hey, I like Spencer last year. Yeah, Spencer, I, Spencer showed played, last, played year. last year. But Texas A&M and then Bama. So, I mean, your first, look, one, three, four, five, six. Your first six games, I mean, if you come out of there five and one, or if you come, I mean, if you go out there undefeated, I mean, you're the number one team in the nation because, I mean, that's Bama, Texas A&M, Florida, and South Carolina on your schedule. That's a chunk of your schedule. But if, I mean, I I, I got to see it on the schedule first. Yeah. And that's where I always go to whenever these conversations come up. I go to the schedule. Let's see what the schedule looks like for their next season. Let's see if that can validate what they, they went out there and, and, and did because – that's something that I think a lot of people have to understand. Somebody's going to regress next year, whether that be Oregon, whether that be, um, um, let's see, whether that Tennessee, be LSU. Um, it could be Bama next year. I mean, it could, yes. it could be Clemson. It could no. be Clemson. Somebody, somebody is no. going to regress next year. That Florida you State. No yeah. idea that can yeah, do Florida that. State. Do that. It's a good yeah. one. Don't All the expectations in the world, like for North Carolina, North Carolina had a lot of expectations coming into the season this year. And it's like, I'm not going to say they necessarily regressed, but they just weren't. They didn't have that same magic they had these past couple of years. And it wasn't for the lack of effort on Drake May. But every year it happens. There's one to two teams that come out there and you're just like, they drop a dud. So I think that this year will validate. It will show us whether that that contract was either uh, valid or not. Yeah, I just wanted to wait after this season because this is the year. You're right. Yeah. If Tennessee can go out there and win, if Tennessee can go out there and lose no more than three games this season, which would probably yeah. be Bama, Georgia, and we'll say, <clears throat> South, uh, South we'll say South Carolina. Just just yeah. just to throw one out there. I don't think they lose this time. I think they actually finally beat them at home. But I digress. If they lose one of those with those three, if they lose those three and they only lose three games, pay that man now because Nico's coming. Just like Ty said, Nico's probably coming in a year, maybe two, and you're ready. You're, you've got a future. It looks like it. That means that you are prepared mentally and physically to be good. But it's just, man, the bad omen, man. I'm just, I'm terrified because of that. <laughs> that scares me, man. I hate it when coaches get paid early because we get lucky enough that they start to just yes, exactly. uh, scandal something. Tom we did Herman. that to Pruitt, too, if I'm correct. We had Tom Herman. Tom Herman had the uh, season where he won the uh, 10 games, beat Georgia, and then they gave him an extension right after that. And, yeah, I think we're still playing Tom Herman. Well, the problem was Pruitt's graciousness. Y'all gave him that extension, and he politely, like the gracious host he is. Don't you dare say it. Don't you dare. Don't you say it. Chick-fil-A bags and destroy no! it to the people. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's I, I, Robin Hood story. Bags. <laughs> no, 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 let's get that's not that he's not that no 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 he's classy here. Ty says he's classy. Oh okay. He had the spicy the spicy sauce in there. Kick Ty off. Kick Ty off. Because I'm tired. He had a number one regular chicken deluxe with three chicken sauces on there. You gotta go and about fifty thousand dollars. It's classy. Stay classy. We stay classy. No, Jay, Jay I, I hear you. And listen, I, I understand why they did it, but I do agree with you, man. Like, if I was in charge at Tennessee, I don't know if I would have given him the extension. 
but I understand when I see the report that they gave him the extension. Cause like you said, he broke all the records. He gave you the results. He beat Nick Saban. He put Tennessee as one of the most talked about teams in the nation this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn, if you're, if you're listing a checklist of things you need to do to get an extension, my man's hit a lot of them this year. So I, I but I do agree year two. It's always early. It feels like a bad omen, but just pray you're not Jimbo. Yeah, but I think Tennessee held all the leverage, though. I, and, and I think they gave up the leverage when they went ahead and paid him. They didn't have to pay him. Now. Mm, you know, true. he's already making a good salary. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to pay him. Um, they could have said, run it back. Run it back and let's do it. Yeah. But even saying that, it's not saying that I don't have confidence that you're going to do it again. It's just, let's just honor this contract and we got you. Right? We got you. You know, we understand that you're going to be great. Let's just honor this contract and we got you. So, but folks, we've been on here for an hour and 20 minutes. We did five great topics. Episode one, folks, is in the books. Episode one, yep. see Connect is in the books, man. Um, oh, yeah, we're not man. going for another hour? No, we're not going for another hour. <laughs> Me and Ty's done it before. <laughs> we haven't even started talking about SEC recruiting. Uh, that's going to be the next episode. How about that? We'll do it. Yeah, next episode, we'll do the recruiting and we'll do a recap of the final signing day and doing evaluation see classes. I need some time. I need some time to research even more digging because there's a lot of digging. That's why we got a week on this every Wednesday, folks. I'll bust you like this. Most of the five stars are in the SEC. (laughs) Did you see the Joel Klatt stat on that? We talked about that. Oh, my God. That is crazy. It's going to be interesting. That's a good topic for next week. So next 21 five stars in the SEC. Jesus Christ, there's only 32 in a, in a class. <laughs> and that's not counting Oklahoma and Texas either. That's current SEC schools. And we got three or four. We got Anthony Hill. We got um, Arch, of course. I think and Jonathan um, John Day Cook. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, Derek Williams. Cedric Baxter. Four. Cedric Baxter. Damn, we got five. No, no. Well, I Derek think y'all did four. Derek He's Williams four. ended up as a four. Cedric Baxter, the five. And then yeah. the, uh, Oklahoma got two. Yeah. So there we go. That might be. 27 out of the 32 or 33 five stars are <laughs> from the SEC teams combined with the two teams who are going to the SEC next year. That, my friends, I'm going to end this podcast like this, folks. That, my friends, is why Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC. It's because the talent, the, the, the collective balance of talent, it's not a balance. The, the talent is in the SEC, and that is why Texas and Oklahoma are going to be there next year. But, folks, thanks for joining in. The SEC Connect, go around the room. You know what's corner them out. Ty Hayes, Jay, and Chris, you better throw them damn horns up. <laughs> Peace. Deuces. Peace.